0: Hello, and welcome to the Motivate Change podcast, inspiring heart disease survivors to live a longer, healthier life. I'm your host, Devin Brzezinski, a fellow heart disease survivor and occupational therapy student, here to help you navigate a world of uncertainty after a cardiac event. And today I have the pleasure of talking to another heart sister from the Real Women Class of 2021, Melissa Williams. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. Um, So Melissa, you had a heart attack at just 32 years old. I
1: did. I did. Um, Highly uh, unsuspected, very rare at that age um, and with very different symptoms that the males present. So yeah, Yeah. very scary.
0: Can can you tell me what your symptoms were? Because I'm, I'm 31 going on 32. And so that's like, that's something that I would never think of um, at such a, like a young age. So
1: no, you and you don't, and and women present so differently than males do. Um, mine was just left arm pain. I worked in orthopedic surgery, and um, I thought maybe it was a nerve or something like that, and and I was going to wait um, and have it you know checked out at next clinic and things like that. But it was really just radiating left arm pain, and it felt like someone was just squeezing all of, all of everything around the arm area just felt like it was a tight, tight rubber band and I could not get it to subside. I even had some pain medication that I tried and that's not normally what I would do in the medical field, <laughs> but it was that painful. And then I thought, well, until I can have someone take a look at it. But honestly, everything else, there was no heavy chest pain. Uh, there was no shortness of breath. Um, my blood pressure was high, but again, being, um, you know, diabetic and having hypertension at an early age, that wasn't uncommon for me to have it that high.
0: Sure. You weren't really expecting, like, that wasn't uncommon for you to have those yeah. types of symptoms, but yeah. the, the radiating arm pain, the first thing that I think of um, being in the therapy world is like, maybe it's a nerve that's pinched and it's like radiating exactly. down one side. Mm-hmm. So like, if I try changing positions and I do Mm -hmm. like some gentle stretching and everything, maybe it'll go away, but yeah, that wasn't happening to you.
1: No. And, and, and it went on for quite a few hours. And uh, then more and more, it it was more and more uncomfortable as it went, Um, which later I found out what was actually happening uh, was the arteries were closing further and further and further as I went. So um, I'm lucky to be here. Because they do say, you know, it it was only so much longer before it would have just completely closed up and uh, caused me a massive heart attack at that point in time. So,
0: Wow. So at what point did you say, I'm going to go to the hospital and get this checked out?
1: Well, I actually didn't. Um, I I really, my husband saved me to be honest with you. Um, As women, we have a tendency to take care of others. Mm. And um, it's not something that was high on my priority list. I had other things I had scheduled to do the next day with my family. And I wasn't putting myself, you know, the first, oh, let's go to the hospital. Um, And I told him it was painful. And I said, it's pretty bad. And he said, well, what would you do if it was me? And I said, well, I would, I, I would take you to the hospital. He goes, well, then we're going to the hospital. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I really owe a lot of my life to my husband. Um, I am very hard headed, uh, so mm-hmm. um, he got me there. And uh, I walked. I actually took a shower before I went. Um, I walked into the ER. I had zero thoughts, process in my head that I was having an active heart attack.
0: Mm-hmm. You're like I'm. I'm okay. It's just like I'm this weird I'm thing I'm, going on. You,
1: you're really being crazy about this. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, and, taking it overboard.
0: <laughs> I mean, I wonder, I mean, cause obviously I'm a woman too. I wonder what goes through our heads and like why we take on this, like this role that we feel like we need to take care of everyone else, but not ourselves.
1: I just think that's how our female, uh, you know, anatomy, our, our female brains are designed We're <laughs> we're caring, nurturing, just, that's just how we are and we don't put ourselves first and that's what I try to instill in others like think about yourself because if I wasn't around you know who would take care of him who would take you know so it's kind of kind of a circle I try you know I try to talk to a lot of people about self-care now um, because I did not put myself first and I ended up in that position um, but I am thankful that I did end up in that position because now I can spread awareness to the others that maybe were in my shoes.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that just reminds me of you know when you're on a plane and they're going through the emergency checklist and they're like, if <laughs> like your oxygen mask comes down, put the oxygen on yourself first yeah. before helping others. And it's like we yes. really have to think that way about our own health and well-being too, because we do. If we're not taking care of ourselves, we're no longer able to help the other people that need it.
1: I I agree. I agree. That's, that's top of my list now. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you're, you're in the hospital. They've mm-hmm. now like told you that you're having an an active heart attack. Mm-hmm. What is going through your mind at this point in time? Oh
1: my gosh. A lot of it is a blur. Um, I have snippets that I can remember, but mm-hmm. I just remember looking at the, I mean, the, the doctor was just as shocked as I was like, he came in, he's like, you're having an active heart attack. And we've called the cardiac cath team. They have 20 minutes to respond because of course this happened on a Saturday morning when the hospitals do not staff their cardiac cath team. So not only was no one there (laughs) to help me, um, I'm sitting, you know, I'm like, what do I do? Am I going to die? Am I going to die? And I just remember bursting into tears. And I had so many nurses around me. And there was so much chaos going on. And um, I I remember when the cardiac cath team arrived, um, they threw the defibrillator (laughs) in between my legs. And um, I think that's when I really like, probably started my full panic, is that I mean, I know it was right down the hall, but they didn't, they had that ready just in case I was going to go. And mm-hmm. that still haunts me and still yeah. haunts me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I could imagine. It's so it's like,
1: yeah, it's, it's there There's snippets that come and go, but those are the few things that I know that, that really, that I can, I can remember the staff was great though. And my, and my husband said the same thing that they They were all, all, you know, doing everything they could to keep me calm and to keep him calm and, you know, to do whatever they can to save me until everyone else arrived Yeah. that actually could perform the procedure.
0: Yeah. Well, thank goodness that they did. Yeah.
1: And they did. And they arrived within less than 20 minutes, by the way. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) So
0: then you went through surgery and did they put a stent in?
1: Yes, they ended okay. up putting um, the two in that day, um, I had 100% blockage uh, that wow. was causing the active heart attack. Um, but once they were in there, they found multiple other arteries had disease already, that was over 90%. So I have now ended up with six stents. Oh, my, my gosh. Yes. So well, it was, he's, it was it, He said it was in bad shape. <laughs> so
0: I mean, for better or worse, I guess it's almost a blessing in disguise because had you not have gone in at that point in time, like who knows if you would have survived. Right. But if you did like knowing now that like there were these other blockages that they could then be proactive about and, and take care of those before they got too bad.
1: Yeah. And that was, you know, I'm glad that they found those at that point in time, because, um, if if I would have let it go, I mean that 90 could have turned into, ninety five it mm-hmm. could have turned into a hundred. I could have had double you know two arteries at a hundred percent, and the likelihood of surviving that's pretty low so yeah. um having the one that was blocked at hundred and getting it fixed automatically and having a plan for the next ones um that that was that was the saving grace right there,
0: yeah, absolutely yeah um, and so since then, you've had six procedures done. Have you gone to cardiac rehab in between each?
1: Uh, no, I did that after my full series. So I had three different sessions of stents placed in. Okay. Um, sometimes they would do two at a time, one at a time, depending on the artery itself and what it needed. So I did have a total of three um, series of stents. So after my third series, I did uh, complete a, uh, an amazing round of cardiac rehab. Okay. okay yeah.
0: So- Three total procedures. Three then. total
1: procedures. Yeah, six stents. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was cardiac rehab like for you? Oh my gosh, um, I didn't know what to expect honestly, because you think of rehab as something like not for someone my age either, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like the rehab, I rehab. <laughs> um, the, they are they were amazing. Um, you know, they taught me how to take care of my body, um, not only with nutritional. Uh, help, but also physical. So I really enjoyed learning how to get my body back into my heart rate zones. Mm -hmm. Um, They were constantly monitoring me when I was working out. I felt very safe and I felt that they were pushing me to the point where I could actively start to work out on my own safely, which that was a goal of mine in the hospital that I had decided my life was going to change. I was going to eat better. My life was going to change exercising. Everything was going to change. I was not going to be myself anymore. I was done living that life. So they were really um, adamant on helping me get to my goals, my own personal goals.
0: Oh, that's awesome that they they were really helping you get back to those goals. That's I was. So, the person,
1: so I mean, yeah, I was-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but that also goes to show that everyone's journey is different. And yes cardiac rehab can really be customized to whatever you need
1: it was most certainly customized most Mm -hmm. certainly they definitely knew my goals particular being so young um so yeah it was it was part of part of my week that I really enjoyed oh
0: good um and then you said that you were making some big lifestyle changes so can you walk me through some of those because I talk a lot to my patients about like this is something traumatic that has happened in your life. And you need to recognize that, but there are so many different categories or areas that you could continue to take control and ownership of. And so Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about eating healthy, getting enough exercise, getting enough sleep. That one's huge That the AHA, just recognized reducing your stress. Like there's all of these, these um, modifiable risk factors that we have control of. So, how do you even start that (laughs) process? And like, what did you do? Well, the first,
1: the first one, and I foresee the biggest one that people don't realize is stress. Um, (laughs) it plays so much. And then once I look back at what I was doing, I can kind of realize why I, my body pushed myself to that point. Um, Mm -hmm. I was working 60 hours a week in the medical field, orthopedic surgery. Um, I was in charge of a lot of, lot of phone calls to patients. Um, The doctor I worked for relied on me pretty much for everything. And I was his one and only go-to. So my job never ended. And the Mm -hmm. day I had the heart attack, I do believe it started at work. I did feel like a lightheadedness and a sharp little pain during the day, but I just let it go because again, was not thinking of myself. It wasn't a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. I never ate lunch. And if I did, it was something unhealthy, very fast. Um, By the time I would get off work, I wasn't going to come home and cook. So we would go out to dinner, um, things like that. I would not eat healthy. I would, you know, have a few drinks. I would um, just eat whatever I wanted to, whatever made me feel good at the point in time. Um, I wasn't thinking about nutritional value. Um, I was also a type two diabetic at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and well, I I was actually insulin dependent at that time. So there's things I could have been doing to myself that I should have been watching anyway as precursors to, to heart disease, um, with the high family history as well. Um, but the stress, the, the not eating properly, um, definitely not sleeping enough. Like definitely because I, I had such a, a job that demanded so much for me. So mm-hmm. that was one, that was the first thing that changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember calling my, my boss from, from ICU actually, um, Saturday morning. And I told her I had a heart attack mm-hmm. and that um, I'll try to be in on Monday. And oh my gosh. She goes, No, you're not. <laughs> said, I'll be I'll be fine. I sh- they said I should be up by Sunday, so I'll I'll be in on Monday. She's like, Yeah, no, you're not. Um, so I took a full six weeks off um to heal. And when I went back, um, I had all that six weeks to think about what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. And um, we made some major decisions and um my job really worked with me and they understood and they put me into a position that was a little less stressful, but still equally important um, to what I've been doing for years with them. Um, They were really great with me, but um, yeah, so I was already trying to push myself back into it, but um, Mm -hmm. the doctor said no. So, well, we took that little time off and, and really thought about that, but the eating habits instantly changed um, I remember telling my husband that was the first, uh, you know, and I was like, I, we're we're done. We're done doing this. He's he's a very healthy, never gains weight, athletic man. And, <laughs> you know, he can eat everything and not gain a pound. So I said, well, mm-hmm. things are changing. And so while I was in um, ICU at the hospital, um, I had met with a nutritionist even once I got to the, the cardiac floor. So I had already had a plan. So it's it started. The day basically of my heart attack the hmm. things were going to change
0: and well i mean kudos to you because those are big aspects like you make it seem like yeah. oh, well it had to be done so i did it and like it <laughs> yeah. simple. but there's a lot that goes into that so you should give yourself credit for
1: it well i i i tell people don't don't be like me that you don't make that just don't wait until you're laying in icu hearing your neighbor pass away um, and hearing the, the alarms go for code blues every 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Don't be that person scared to death that she's going to have, it's going to happen to her. Don't, I don't, I don't wish that on anyone. I never want anyone to experience what I had to experience. So, you know, that's why I kind of, I focus on telling people try to, you know, let's, you know, it doesn't matter what symptom, what, if you don't feel right, you don't feel right. And it doesn't matter. Um, women experience things so much differently than men.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and you're not crazy if you go to the doctor just because you don't feel right. If you don't feel right, that's your body's way of telling you something. So yeah, that's, it's, a, I've learned a lot over my years of being <laughs> through this and, and doctors and stuff. So it's, it's been, uh, It's been a learning experience even for me, but yeah, it sounds easy. I make, I guess I make it sound a little easy, but it wasn't easy, but I had no choice. I wanted Mm -hmm. to live. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, what you're just talking about now, it's advocacy. You're advocating Mm -hmm. for yourself. Not only like you weren't feeling right. Maybe your Mm -hmm. husband had to push you a little bit to actually go to the hospital. Right. But (laughs) you said something's up. I don't feel right. And then continue. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you get to the the doctors and if they're saying like, oh, it's okay, asking for a second opinion, I think is always helpful. But also oh. going back to work, can you I have some patients right now that are a little leery to return to work and they don't know what it's gonna be like. Um, some of my patients actually I see a lot of males and so they mm-hmm. go into like a very macho type environment. And so they're mm-hmm. nervous about like, if they have a physical type job, how to like get back into it and advocating to say, Hey, I can't physically do X, Y, Z, or I'm not mentally ready mm-hmm. to come back. Do you have any advice as to like how to ease that transition?
1: So, yeah, it, it it is, it is a mental toll for sure. Especially I would, I can imagine like a male going into something like this. Um, what I did is I explained to people my condition and it might've been too much information at first, but I didn't care. I always carry nitro with me. Um, most cardiac patients will carry nitro with them the rest of their life. It's my little baby. It goes with me everywhere I go. I um, even oh, it a the heart of it, <laughs> nitroglycerin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I even had it at the heart event that we were at. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it, it never leaves my side. Just You just never know when something, like when you'll need it. So I always kind of let people know, like, hey, if something happens to me, if I don't look right, um, if I start to act funny, if you notice anything, if I end up laying on the floor, this is where you go to. All my information's in that container. Um, it's with me. You can find it on my body, um, and it tells you exactly what to do. I have to advocate for myself because I don't have anyone else next to me doing it. So Mm -hmm. that's how I went back to work. So everyone at work knew like, okay, so she's coming back. um, And, and I would tell them, you know, if, if you see me, like this is this and this is this, or if I don't, if I say, I don't feel good, they know exactly what to do. Um, So yeah, just letting people around them know that you've experienced this and you might not be yourself for a little bit. um, But to have, you know, you know, Hopefully, someone in there is going to be asking if they're okay, or checking up on them. Um, Even having one person that you can trust um, in your group is is beneficial. So maybe they could find one person that they that they know they connect with and tell them like, listen, this is what I'm feeling. Um, I'm a little nervous. um, This is what I have. And, you know, here's, here's how to help me if something, you know, like this. So um, that's my best advice. Okay. To come back into that because it it is scary going back from a cardiac event. Um, and especially to a, a, a job that requires so much um you know activity and things like that. I, I was lucky to start back as in a desk before I went back to clinic. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. A
0: little different transition.
1: A little different, <laughs>
0: but still a transition nonetheless. <laughs>
1: yes. But and yes, it, just just letting people know. Just letting yeah. people know. I would say like I guess if
0: you have somebody that you can really trust at work or at home and like letting them know either to vent or to like express what you need that would be like yeah there's
1: a lot of emotions that that happen and sometimes you don't know when those emotions are going to come up um it could be triggered by something so strange and then sometimes it'll just be anything you know nothing will set me off and then I'll just be like that really just ha- that happened to me. And, you know, and it just it sometimes it, it wears on your your mental state. Yeah. Um, so having someone that you can really discuss with mine is my husband, he, you know, obviously, he was there with me the whole time. But you know, I, I vent to him and I get his opinion on certain things all, all the time. So he's my person I talk to when, when I'm having that, you know, kind of stress and, uh anxiety. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is one thing that they do not tell you about in the hospital. I wish that that they would, that is one thing I would like, um, to possibly get some more, um, advocacy for is anxiety afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, I left the hospital with zero medication, um, for anxiety and going home after such a traumatic event. Um, your mind plays a lot of games on you. And, you know, I, I struggled with it big time until I went back to my primary and I told her what was going on. Uh, and she's like, yes, that's yeah, yeah, we have to put you on something to help you with that.
0: Yeah. Um, that's
1: a traumatic experience. So a lot of people, you know, that's, they don't think that they need help with that. But mental, um, the mental health afterwards is, is, is a big one now.
0: Yeah, in in my research, I've seen at least thirty three percent of patients experience anxiety or depression or both after even a year afterwards, and Mm -hmm. I would I would suspect that that number is even higher. It's just not reported on as much.
1: Yeah, I would think, especially I would, you know, women because we think that oh, we're just having those weird thoughts, no big deal. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of women don't tell their physicians that I'm having these strange symptoms and these strange thoughts or this, um, you know, panic attacks and things like that. That's all anxiety. And um, it can be a post-traumatic stress. And I think that's not talked about a lot um, after cardiac events. So Mm -hmm. um, I've discussed that with my own female cardiologist. Um, She just retired a few months ago. Um, but we had discussed how we need to talk more about that,
0: yeah, absolutely. I think it's extremely valid and extremely important. Did you also talk to um, talk to anybody like a therapist?
1: I didn't at that point in time. Um, it has it has been brought up uh, within the past few years um because stressors do change um as you grow. Um, I have a four year old now, so, Stress is a little bit different. Um, I have a lot more of it. Um, so yeah, I I that's definitely something I'm thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: taking it all. Sometimes we just need
1: someone besides our family members to talk to anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think everyone could um could benefit from going to therapy, but no matter what's going on in your life. But yeah, you're extremely busy, like taking her to all of her dance recitals and practices mm-hmm. and things. So I can only yeah. imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a busy life, and I'm I'm so very thankful for her. Um honestly, if it wasn't for the the, the heart attack itself, things wouldn't have worked out where you know, because we were trying to have a baby at the time um that the heart attack happened. Mm. And in the um in in the ICU when I was being discharged, they told me that. Um, I would not be able to carry a baby due to, um, the stress on the heart. So, oh um, yeah, so, uh, you know, as well as dealing with the, Hey, you just had a heart attack. You're also not going to have a baby either. So, yeah. um, life throws you a lot of lemons. You just have to make some lemonade. And, um, I'm very blessed that we have the opportunity to do what we did with the adoption. Um, But yeah, she keeps, she keeps us busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, what does your, what does overall health look like to you now?
1: So exercising, um, I, I actually like to exercise. I was never the person I would join a gym and then quit it three months later. (laughs) I I was like, cool. I joined a gym and then no, I'm not going to join a gym anymore. Um, but now um, I enjoy it. It's, it's relaxing for me. I love going on long long walks. Um, I also use elliptical and different things like that for cardiovascular health. Um, I've been recently liking some yoga, which is strange because mm. I never thought I liked that. I also taught dance for seven years. So um, this is my first year I've not taught because she is so busy with with, uh, with dance that I don't teach this year. Okay. (laughs) And then eating habits. Um, I really just watch my fat and caloric intake and, um, yeah, try to avoid the sugar and things like that. So I'm no longer diabetic. I haven't been diabetic in a long time. Yes, was Yeah. They took it off my chart for a while and then there was a medication that required the diagnosis. So I was to the point of, of kind of, needing that diagnosis. So for the medication, but as of right now, I don't have any medication, uh, treating my diabetes. It's just on my, on my chart. So, um, but yeah, so that, that was is great. Amazing. That's a huge yeah, milestone. Congratulations! It is. And it, it doesn't happen very often, honestly. Um, according to my doctor, um, that does not happen very often. Once you're diabetic, you're typically diabetic. So, mm. For me to reach that milestone was was pretty good. Uh, I was yeah. pretty, pretty proud of myself. <laughs> That's huge! Yes, you should. Yeah, be I love to exercise. Exercising, um, you know, and, and as you get older, your your body doesn't take to it as well. Um, so knees kind of start to go, and different things <laughs> like <Sure>. that. Uh, <laughs> so um, I've had to modify quite a few different things. I mean, you're a testament
0: to the fact that exercise and eating healthy can reduce or reverse diabetes.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I did it. I've lost, I lost 90 pounds, um, in about a year and six months after, after the heart attack with only diet and exercise. That is amazing. no, no medications, no supplements, no anything like that. So.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're listening and you have diabetes right now, know that you can reverse it using a healthy lifestyle.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. It It is achievable. I know we like to jump and go to, um, you know, medications and things like that, but, and it is harder as you get older, it really does. It, it really is hard on the body. Um, to do it naturally, but it it can be done. I was lucky. I was 32 because my body was different than, um, it was a fast healer. If I would have been in my forties and that would have happened, it probably would have came out with a little different outcome. Um, Mm -hmm. so I am lucky that it happened at such a young age and I recovered like I did, but, um, I would say, you know, the women in their forties and stuff might have a little bit, um, more trouble, but research is coming out with so, so many other things right now. I mean, with the years since I had it almost, well, nine years ago now, research is so much different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how, so you were 32 when you had your heart attack, how many years later were you diagnosed with or undiagnosed? <laughs> I don't know the correct terminology with um, getting rid of your diabetes. That-
1: about a year and six months when I hit when I hit that weight milestone. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I reduced from um, insulin to pills pretty fast. um, Because my you know, I really, once I met with a nutritionist in the hospital, I really focused on that diet. And then once the numbers went down enough, I just went to pills. And then it was to the point where I didn't even need the pills because I was just so low.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it, it can be done. So some days aren't fun, but it can be done and it's worth <laughs> living for. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Were there like
0: simple things? Cause I talked to a, another dietitian on the podcast a couple weeks ago and we were talking about like meeting patients where they are, because any sort of lifestyle change, it's, it can be overwhelming and it's a lot. So Where's kind of the low hanging fruit of simple substitutions in your diet than um, just like hijacking everything all at once? Can you speak to your experience well, with
1: that? Yeah, I mean, so really, like fast food was our go to, okay, um, because of the lifestyle that we had or I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I focused on cooking, trying to cook at home more often, and watching what I was going into my ingredients. Um, reducing my carbs. Like I said, I had been on pretty much every diet known to man, every gym membership known to man, I've been there and done that. So I knew a little bit of the background on how to watch your weight. Um, so I just kind of followed those rules. I ate healthy grains, lots of vegetables, lots of chicken, um, things like that. Um, not using butter, I still don't use butter. Um So, yeah, it it wasn't as crazy as it sounds like. I know 90 pounds sounds like a a lot, but it really wasn't. I I don't remember back that it was something like I wanted all the time. Like there wasn't anything that I was missing in my life Mm -hmm. from food. Um, I thought more about my health than I did um, what I was going to eat the next day or the next meal. Yeah. That so sense. that's kind of how that worked.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me and sharing your story. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad we were able to connect. Where yeah. can people reach out to you if they have questions, if they want to talk to you about your experience?
1: So I, I have had people uh, send me messages. um So I'm Melissa Sloan Williams on Facebook. Um, and then I'm also. Uh, Sloan against gal, um, on Instagram. Um, but I, I love people to, to contact me. Um, also feel free to share my email. I, I I would love to eventually coach some people and to kind of put them forward, especially younger women. Um, obviously I'm an esthetician, so I deal I see a lot of young skin and, and I, I do tell my story quite a bit, Um, it's been repeated so many times, (laughs) but I want to start at a young age and have women advocate for themselves and go get those yearly checks and go follow up with your primary care doctor. I know a lot of women don't even go see a doctor once a year, even your gynecologist, your gynecologist can run numbers. And, and my, my deciding factor was the, um, family history. That's kind of what pushed me over the edge with my heart disease. So even knowing your family history is is something that I would have everyone check into. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're adopted, like my daughter is adopted, I will be checking her family history um, and doing that um, to be able to find out if she has any of that possibly in her family. Um, Cause we don't know. Like we don't yeah. know. Um, I was lucky to know that that my family did. Um have a, a high level of heart disease. My father uh, passed away nine months later after my heart attack um, oh my with gosh. heart with a heart attack and stroke. Yes, so I had to heal from that too, because I was healing myself when his happened. Oh. Um, and then my grandfather passed away at the age of forty five from heart attack and stroke. So those are things that um, just know, having females know their family history that that that's a big one. But yeah, I would love to talk to anyone that has any questions or anything like that. That's um, I hope to be an inspiration to others and kind of know that, you know, just if I if I can go back to that 32 year old self, I would really just follow up more with my primary care doctor and really just work on myself, change my lifestyle. Um, and work on those stress levels. I know it's so hard in the year of 2023, our stress level is like <sighs> beyond, um, but really work on that stress level. I And that's something that I struggle with every day, but I'm trying my best. And as moms and women, we have to, yeah. we have to do
0: that. So. 100%. You have to put yourself first, You, you, you these stress levels and yeah, especially younger generations, because we think, oh, we're healthy. We don't need to go to the doctor, yeah. but it's annual yeah. visits and those checkups that will tell you over time, like, oh, your levels are looking different than they used to. We should get this yeah. checked out. And so I love that. Yeah. Moment. You're
1: the age of me yes. when that happened. So that, that right there shows, shows a lot. So, mm-hmm. but,
0: oh, well, yeah. thank you so much for your time, Melissa.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I, I love speaking to you. I loved being able to meet you. It was so nice to give yes. you a hug. I know. We had so much fun. Oh, was it was a, such a blast. Such a beautiful time. And I'm so thankful that we, we finally got to meet everyone and and see these wonderful women that we got to hear their stories. So yes. it was so great. So I'm, I'm still basking a... in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like it was almost two months ago now or a month and a half ago. Oh, yeah. Isn't
1: that crazy. <laughs> So know. Yeah, we'll have to reunite again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We'll have to make an annual trip somewhere.
1: I'm <laughs> in I, I <laughs> Yes.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: For anyone out there listening, I hope you really take what Melissa said to heart because the things that she implemented after her heart attack, they work and they're all within your control. So it might seem overwhelming at first, but to really start incorporating small achievable goals and meaningful goals to live a healthier lifestyle. So if you have questions for Melissa, I'm going to post her contact information below, or if you have questions for me and how to go about actually starting to implement these changes please reach out. I have tons of resources depending on what your goals are. So with that, stay happy, stay healthy. This is Devin.